All right, welcome to the Apex Vaulting Podcast. We got a great episode for you. This is episode 96. We have an awesome, awesome guest for you, Alex Curran, and I'm going to introduce him in a second. Um, But remember, if you enjoy the podcast, please subscribe to us on YouTube. It's just Apex Vaulting, or you can subscribe to our podcast, which is on Apple iTunes Podcasts. Uh, Please also leave comments, reviews, and Also, I'm trying, I know last week I slipped up a little bit, but I'm trying to get a podcast episode every week, guys. So if you have any questions that you'd like answered or a comment that you'd like read on the podcast, please email us at apexvaulting at gmail.com. Also, some people have emailed me or DM'd me their comments or questions. You can do that on Instagram, which is the real Apex Vaulting. Um, Super excited for our guest, Alex. Uh, I'm going to let him introduce himself in a second, but he did a big thing recently. You know, we all have these like turning points in our life. You know, you graduate high school, you graduate college, you get married, you have your first kid. And these are all moments of like excitement and also shitting your pants moments. And Alex, you did it. You joined the world of a private pole vault coach. You got a facility, man. Congrats. Thank you. Thank you. Um, It was about a year and a half search and I finally, finally found someone who was willing to take that leap of faith and uh, trust with me. And yeah, awesome. I finally, finally was able to lock one down. Well, Alex, give a little background. You know, tell everybody, how did you get involved in the vault? How did you get to this point where now you are opening up your, your you know, club facility indoors full-time in upstate New York? Um, walk, walk us through that for the people who don't know you. Um, so I'm from a small town uh, from Williamson, New York. Um, I graduated with about 96 kids in my high school. Mm-hmm. So everybody knew everybody. And I got into pole vault because my dad pole vaulted back okay. at La Crosse, Wisconsin. Wow. And he was a 13 foot high schooler. Uh, just, 14 just fo- real quick, for people who don't know, Wisconsin La Crosse is like that, the college there too, like the D3, amazing facilities. Like some people don't even realize how big some of these D3 colleges are. Like, Wisconsin Cross has an indoor track. They have a beautiful outdoor track facility. Amazing. But go, go ahead. Um, yeah, it's absolutely phenomenal there. Uh, we actually had a D3 Nationals there mm-hmm. uh, a few years ago. That was really cool. Um, so I got into pole vault to beat him. I wanted to beat <laughs> his records. Right. Um, so I ended up doing that. I jumped. You know, I matched his high school record, and I beat him in, high, in college. Um, so I have two younger brothers. Um, they pole vaulted to beat me, which they did. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. we're not going to talk about them though. Um, and then I vaulted in college. I vaulted for Alfred state mm-hmm. for two years. Then I transferred to Geneseo for another two years. Mm-hmm. Uh, I vaulted post collegiately and then it's kind of a love for the sport. I never, I never let it go. And I decided one day I was just going just gonna to do it. Um, I also coached for one of my alma maters at State University in New York at Geneseo. Uh, I've been there for about seven years, uh, pandemic aside. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Just uh, I get asked all the time, like, what would you do in your free time if you weren't coaching or working all the time? Oh, I'd be pole vaulting. Yeah. So, I'd, you know, fortunately, I had enough ambition to – to want to coach it versus just do it. So, uh, you know, that, that's an interesting uh, segue we can make there. I mean, one, I just want to say, I feel like for the people that don't know, that upstate New York area, uh, you know, maybe, I, I mean, obviously you guys are famous for Jen Sure, you know, 
uh, Olympic champion, but there's like a hotbed of like just pole vault culture and pole vault people up there, which is an amazing place. Like to me, I always loved going to Rochester beach Vault, hanging out with you guys. It's just a, a great dynamic. And even I think your area and hanging out with you and Dan Reynolds and, and all, all those guys, it made me, I was like, wow, this could really work. Pole vault could be bigger than it is. You know, this doesn't have to be just a high school college thing. This could grow into something where, you know, there's clubs everywhere and there's these groups of people that all love the vault. And then we get together for these competitions and have a party. And it could be an adult thing too. Cause I think that's the one thing that's kind of missing in a lot of areas. It's like, once you're out of high school or you're out of college, like you don't pole vault anymore. And there's no like, yeah, you can't, you can't just like go to the club, jump. And then like, let's say me and you jumped at the club together. We can't go grab a beer after. Cause it's like, you would be the only adult in the practice, you know? And that's, that's what inspired me is your area is like, I'm like, no, this, this can work. People like this. This is fun. It's just, we have to have access, you know, we have to have access to it. Um, also to kind of go off of what you, you kind of ended with, with the ambition, you know, um, I think it's always easier to be a student than it is to be a teacher. You know, um, you have a lot a bigger role and a lot more responsibilities when you teach or coach someone and especially running a club. I think, you know, like we'll get into the nitty gritty of finding a facility, but it's like, man, it, it kind of takes some courage. You know what I mean? It's scary. It's like, okay, do I sign this lease? I, oh, I, I terrifying. To, yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> so, but realizing too, at a certain point, I think, look, most people are not going to go to the Olympics. And I think most people, guess what? Even if you do go to the Olympics, um, all right, maybe you pull till you're like 35, you know, I mean, sure. There's a freak every once in a while, like a Jeff Hartwig who can do it till 40, but you really want to be a part of this community. You really want to, you want to be able to even pull as often as you like, I think running a club, owning a club and coaching people is the, the way to do it. I mean, what turned that switch into you? Why, what, what led you to coaching? Um, whew, I haven't been asked that question before. Post-collegiately, uh, as soon as I graduated Geneseo, I graduated 2012, I moved out to Colorado, and I was there for about a year, and found some like hard times. Like I, I fell out of sports, I just started lifting, mm-hmm. and I, I left pole vault. Like I was pretty much kind of done with it. Mm-hmm. And I remember talking to my mom one day, and she goes, why don't you start vaulting again? I was like, oh, there's no clubs out here. She's like, no, 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 I already found one. I was like, oh, oh, so you already did the research. And turns out it was actually with Pat Manson. Okay. And his club yeah, yeah. out in Boulder. Mm-hmm. So she sends me the number. I call him up. And Pat answers the phone. And he's like, hey, how's it going? Super nice, super sincere. I was like, hey, like I'm new to the area. I'm looking to, you know, join. He's like, all right, cool. See you tomorrow, four o'clock. No questions, no comments. Yeah, like, yeah. He was super, super open. I come in and first, first person I saw, I was like, Hey, like I'm, you know, looking for, for Pat. And he's like, Oh, Hey, nice to meet you. Shook my hand, like super calm. It was such a great experience. And, you know, we started vaulting again. And then when I moved back coaching with Mike Auble for a little bit at PVP, yeah, it was just very fulfilling. And I kind of fell out of the, I want to hit my marks and I wanted to help others hit their marks. Right. And it, 
as a coach, and, and I, I feel like a lot of other coaches will, will definitely agree with it. Like one of the greatest feelings ever is, is when that athlete that you've been busting your balls to just get to that one mark or get that one, one part of the vault down yeah. and they get it. You're just like, I mean, goosebumps. You're just like, Oh, that, that was it. Like, let's do yeah. it again. And it, it's just so fulfilling. And I kind of fell out of wanting to be an athlete and I fell into wanting to coach athletes and really, really just give in to helping others reach their goals. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And over time, you know, I randomly fell into coaching at Geneseo that Mike Aubel helped me get that one too. Mm-hmm. And you know, the first athlete that I got to nationals, it just, it was like a bug. As soon as it, as soon as it hit, I was yeah, like, yeah. damn, it got me. And then I was privileged to coach my brother who was yeah. a phenomenal vaulter. Stud. Stud. Yeah. And I don't know. I just too stubborn to give it up. I'd rather see all these kids like do well and give them the opportunities that I wasn't given when I was in high school or younger. Well, so you, you know, what's something that I think about a lot. And, um, I had Calvin Hartman on the podcast recently and we talked a lot of strength and conditioning, but one of the things that we talked about and something that's really important to me is like, you know, when you're younger, you know, high school, even college, kind of everyone is helping you. Everything is about you. Right. And everyone's just trying to get you to the next step. Like, it's so funny you telling that story. Like your mom's like, well, I found you a club already. Like, oh you yeah. She, do she already had just it. Do it. Like just, just go. Right. And, um, you know, and I'm sure it's your mom, man. She knows you. She's like, I know if I can get him in the right direction, I know where this is going to go. Right. For sure. But it's like, once you finish college, it's like you flip the script. You have to be certain to, uh, you have to serve others. You have to be of service to others. And I feel like sometimes people struggle with that. I see it a lot of times. Like, look, like, again, not everyone's meant to go to the Olympics, right? Not everyone's going to be at that level or life doesn't allow it, you know? But what you can do is help others. You know what I mean? You could take the tools that you have. You could take the experiences that you have, the knowledge you have, and you could help others and take them further. You know, it's like, um, it's funny. I always talk about Westside Barbell and they have this thing, like, if you're the best guy in the gym, you have to help everybody else beat you. Yeah. And then once they beat you, it's vice versa, right? And I think as a coach, that's what, I mean, like, think about what you did with your brothers. Like, you, you set out to beat your dad. Yeah. And then you helped your brothers beat you. <laughs> you oh, dude, they crushed me. Right. But, but I think that's, that's a beautiful story. And I think that's, that's what coaching is about. It's like, and that's why I find it laughable sometimes, Alex. I don't know what you think, but like, Sometimes like some people will start to like, be like, well, well, this is my PR and that's why I'm a better coach. It's like, bro, it's not about you. <laughs> no, my, my personal opinion, PR means shit as a coach. Right. Um, personally, like, I don't think I was the best vaulter by any means. I jumped 15 feet post collegiate and mm-hmm. collegiately 14, 11. I right. worked another like four and a half, five years for one inch. Yeah. And you know, that, that comes out of being stubborn. But yeah. <laughs> yeah, you know, I've, I've definitely seen some kids that are coaches and I, I'm going to call them kids cause they're early twenties Yeah, that are, you know, 17, 18 footers that's just started coaching at their college and you can, you can kind of sense some arrogance Yeah, and yeah. you know, they'll, they don't hesitate to drop that 
oh, this is what I jumped. So, you know, like we've been working like, bro, I don't care what you jumped. <laughs> so I don't. It, yeah. Your, yeah. Your jump doesn't matter for your vaulter. Just help them. So personally, like I, I don't, it just, I feel like it's just like people trying to flex. Right. You know, like, doesn't matter. Like well, just coach. And- and, and here's the thing too. I, I made a post last weekend about like, okay, like, you know, if there was a belt system in pole vaulting, like there is in like jujitsu, yes. right. It's like, what are the requirements to get that black belt? And is, does PR have anything to do with it? Right. Because it's like, it's deeper than your PR, right. It's like, do you have the skills? And even more so when I was like researching, I started like in the last year or so really thinking about this belt system thing. And I started, you know, doing a deep dive into it. And the more I I researched, the more I found out the following. Originally in the Gracie gym, which is like the most well-respected jujitsu gym in the world, right? The Gracies developed their first belt system for coaches only. Only coaches could get belts, not the athletes. I think the athletes had two belts. It was like white and blue and that's it. All the other belts came to coaches because think about it. Your ability to coach someone, you have to be so, so much more skilled. So look, I mean, look, I'm not saying like, listen, if you're a coach, you jump 18, that's awesome. That's great. But you got to have more than that because you might've jumped 18 and lacked certain skills. So how are you now going to teach those skills to someone if you didn't even hundred percent? Yeah. Right. There you go. And last time I checked, you can't help someone get taller. You, no, you know what I mean? Bro, I wish I could. Change, <laughs> you can't change their genetics, right? It's like, so it's like, you have to be able to teach skill and really understand that. And, you know, and we were kind of talking before the podcast, like you said, it's like, you know, well, it's also about leadership. You know, it's also about teaching a system. It's about, you know, get, making sure everybody's on the same page and working hard. There's so much that goes into coaching than just like the height you personally jumped. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. Um, I, I even talk about it. It's like, I remember one time talking to one of my former athletes who coached a lot too. And I was like, listen, like if I'm still watching the highlight video from last year, five years from now, something's wrong, man. I, I, I got to make stuff every year. I, I mean, I got I to I gotta keep this thing going, mm-hmm. you know, and it's not always necessarily with club PRs. Like once you have your club for many years, you know, it's like you might have certain records that stay for a little while, but it's that, yeah, but can I teach the next generation? You know, can I get the next generation to exceed their expectations? Because going back to what you said about as a coach, it's like, I almost think about it. It's like, it's like, uh, you know, the toothpaste tube, like some people, they give it a couple squeezes and they're like, Oh, that's it. No, I want to be that coach that I'm like rolling the, the tube. Every last drop. Yeah. We're trying to squeeze everything out. Um, and a thought that I had, even when you were talking about your own career, it's like, I think what's even important. And this is what I found for like post collegiates is like giving people that real life perspective. Like you said, you were stubborn. You worked really, really hard for a few years just for that one inch PR. And sometimes, and I know this is a really hard conversation, and I think a lot of people will probably think I'm wrong for what I'm about to say, but let's say you're coaching that guy that's at 17.6 or that girl that's at like 14.6. It's hard to have that conversation like, listen, I'm gonna coach you as hard as I can. I'm gonna tell you to do X, Y, and Z. But you have to step back and say, how long do I want to do this at this level? How many sacrifices am I willing to make? And am I going to be okay if I don't hit that mark? Right? Because some people, they'll go into it. They'll make these life sacrifices to try to, let's say, get to USAs. 
But then if they don't get there, they're going to look at the whole experience with extreme bitterness. I mean, I've even heard of Olympians, you know, there's uh, even Ronda Rousey, you know, the UFC fighter, she talked about after she got a medal at the Olympics, she was like, what the hell did I do this for? You know what I mean? She was like yeah. sitting in her car, like living out of her car. She's like, what the hell am I doing? So I like to have that like realistic conversation with people because I think on the flip side, like what you're doing, you know, having your own facility, having a pole vaulting club is a great way to stay involved in the sport, help grow the sport, help that future generation go where you couldn't go because of the situations that you were dealt. You know, like I even think back and for people that don't know, I mean, I definitely mentioned it on the podcast. Like I only jumped 10, six in high school. I was terrible, but we didn't have a coach. We didn't, we had four poles. They were all 14, one fifties. <laughs> one was a spirit though. So if you're really good, you go to the spirit 14, one fifty. but it's like, you know, I didn't, I didn't have any opportunities. So I knew when I started coaching pole vault, it's like one, I started buying poles with my own money. Cause I didn't want to have to tell a kid like, yo, you're not going to PR cause we don't have the equipment. And two, I just started, you know, diving in and learning as much as I could because I knew I was like, I can jump more than 10.6, you know, if someone could teach me how to do this thing, you know, which yeah. then, I mean, listen, I jumped 14 from a five at Rochester Beach Wall. Uh, but you know what I mean? But like, which is nothing like 14 is not a big deal. But, you know, I just wanted to give people opportunities that they didn't that I didn't have, you know. What yeah. I mean? um, so now. You have the club, you've been running the club. When did you start thinking about getting your own facility? And, and then let's go into like kind of what you were talking about before the podcast. What was it like trying to find the right place? Like how hard is that? Oh shit. So this is, I'm going into my fourth year of the club started okay. in 2017. And, and where would you guys practice prior to the indoor facility? Like how did that work? We rented space from a local college. Okay. And we were given two or three hours, depending on the week. Okay. And, you know, good day, bad day. You know, if the school said it closed, it closed. And I didn't have any control over that. Right. Yeah. And, you know, it was a small club. It doesn't, uh, you know, take many hours, I guess. Oh, my dog's going nuts. Um, doesn't, doesn't take many hours to, to train like 12 kids, but when it started getting a little bit bigger, right before the pandemic, we got to about 25 kids that were yeah. at a practice. Mm -hmm. And when I hit that point, I was like, okay, now, now I really got to start looking for a facility. And I probably went through six or seven real estate agents because yeah. some people, as soon as you told them like, um, a pole vaulter, like I need, you know, 25 foot ceilings. I need something super long and it doesn't have to be very wide. Yeah. Not many people want to try and look for that. And another part yeah. is not many people have that. Right. Right. So I, I, just to stop you, I remember early on before I found my facility, this is very early on. Um, I just started to like, look, I wanted to see what's out there. Dude, this one real estate agent took me to a place that was huge. It was a little bit too big. But what's crazy is the landlord, as soon as he met us there and he found out it was a pole vaulting club, flipped his shit. He's like, this guy won't be able to pay the rent. Get the hell out of here. He's like, so I think even the real estate agents, there's sometimes like pole vaulting club. How many, yeah. how many athletes do you have? How many clients? What? How are you going to pay the rent? You know, so there's a lot, a lot of the, because people don't know about it. Whereas like, I feel like on the flip side, 
something that's like maybe a little bit more established like CrossFit. You're like, Hey, I'm opening up a CrossFit gym. That's like, you could have zero clients and they'll be like, Oh, okay. Yeah. I've heard of that before. Like, Oh yeah. Help you out. The, the first like five or six places I looked at, it was unreal. They're like, is that, is that the, you run with the stick, right? And they do the little plant thing. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You run with the stick. Yeah. That's what I do. Like, Oh, that's, you got, you get, is that going to work? Is this, is this, can you do that? Yeah. yeah. I just, this is, this, this spot would work, blah, 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 blah. Or like I'd walk into a place and it would have like 12 foot ceilings and I'd tell my real estate agent, like, yeah. bro, I can't even carry the stick in here. Right. They're like, oh, it's not going to work. No. Yeah. So it was, it was uh, definitely, definitely tough. Lots of people were super willing to meet with me, had all the, uh, you know, statistics and things that I needed, you know, high like ceiling, wide walls. Yeah. yeah, requirements. And I tell them pole vault and they're like, ooh, insurance, bro, not happening. So there was, wow. so there was a lot of people that like bailed off other reasons. Um, I'd be in the back at <laughs> back alley of like a canning factory. Mm-hmm. Um, I tried, uh, uh, airport hangers, like from small yeah. towns. Mm-hmm. I tried a bunch of different things and no one, no one was willing to give the time of day. Well, here, here's another problem too. So I found this one location that was actually like perfect. It's a little bit bigger than the facility I have now. The facility I have now is 5,400 square feet. It, I have a 127 foot runway and a 97 foot runway. So, I mean, whatever those dimensions are, but yeah. this place was even a little bit bigger and was going to be cheaper than the place I'm in. I was like, yes, I'm like so pumped, right? And then the guy was like, well, but like uh, you're going to have to apply for a permit for sports and recreation with the town. I'm like, okay, well, like I I didn't know what he's talking about. I'm like, all right, well, what does that entail? And the guy's explaining to me, well, you know, it's going to cost $10,000. You have to go in front of a committee. And then he goes, and then they can still say no. I'm like, wait, I'm going to have to pay 10 grand just to go in front of them and ask and then they could still tell me no. I'm like, yeah, all right. Like, I'm not. No, 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 I, no I'm no. not taking that risk. Get out of here. Oh <laughs> yeah, God. right. So, yeah, you have to find the right spot. Like, for, for people listening, like, if you're thinking about starting a club, it's like, you have to find a location that one, like you said, it's like, okay, 12-foot ceiling is not going to work. I don't, think you, I don't think you need 25 necessarily, depending on your clientele type. You might even be able to get away with 18. But, like, 12, that's definitely a no-go, Right. And so you have these certain uh, uh, spatial requirements, but then on top of it, it's like, if the township doesn't have sport and recreation, you know, zone there, you're going to have to apply for a permit. That's not going to work. So it it does get difficult. You'll hear from landlords that like, nah, you can't do it here. You know? So there, it it was tough. It was super tough. And a lot of people were, I I remember walking into this one guy, there was a baseball place already established and they were moving out. Mm-hmm. It was 12,000 square feet, massive. Wow. Se- yeah, it was massive facility. And it was like pre ready to go. Like it had padding on the walls everywhere, yeah. nets, and it had runway rolled rubber everywhere. Right. He's like, yeah, it's ready to go. And he's like, I'm looking for like 10 grand a month. I'm like, bro. Yeah. No. <laughs> right. And it was phenomenal facility and it had all of the things that I needed. And he was like, yeah, it'll stay furnished for you. Like they can't, they're not taking anything. Yeah. It was like perfect. 
And then I found like we, through other conversations, you know, he just, he just stopped talking. He's just like, I'm not, I'm not having it. He's just trying to take advantage of it. And then the guy that I ended up working with ran track when he was in high school. He's an older dude. And he's like, yo, I know pole vault. Yeah. Yeah. Like I know you need high ceilings. Yeah. And he had a couple different places in his warehouse where sports teams already train. Mm -hmm. And he goes, I got the perfect spot for you. It's not, it's not very wide. It's a little longer, but it's got super high ceilings. Yeah. And you know, I wish it was a little longer, but I'll, Overall, it's a hundred by forty. So Dude, that's that's it's perfect, perfect, man. Yeah, and it's it's everything's ready to go. He cleared everything out for me. He's let me put the in ground plant box, right? And he's been super accommodating. And yeah. he wants to see it become something because he was a track guy. Yeah. Well, so I mean, you bring up uh, some some great great points. I mean, one finding people. It's kind of like when I tell kids, like when you're looking for a college, find a coach that wants you on the team. Not someone who's like, well, if you could do this, we'll let you do it. You know, same thing with kind of like a landlord or a location. It's like, you want to find a spot where they're, they're happy to have you. You know what I mean? Not where it's like, oh, I don't know. And uh, begrudgingly, because like, not for nothing, that landlord is going to look for the first opportunity to get rid of you. You know what I mean? Um, the other thing for people who are listening, they might be like, well, wait, Alex, you said hundred by 40. I mean, your runway is probably only going to be 80 feet, but here's my thing. And this would be my piece of advice for everybody. One, if you really, really look at practices, if you're telling me that you spend more than 50% of your time at your full run, you're probably doing something wrong. Secondly, that being said, since you're not spending most of your time or even half of your time at a long run, you can get a lot of work in on an 80 foot runway. And here's the thing. You could always start with a smaller facility. And if your club grows, you get a bigger facility. I always tell people the biggest mistake you can make is go big. And then I don't know, six months to a year later, you're like, Hey guys, we're moving the club to that smaller place. Cause now your clientele is, they're used to, you know, big space. Yeah. You know, it's, um, it's definitely exciting. And that. With majority of the the kids who join, not many of them are six four with a hundred and eight run for their seven step. Right. You know, most of them are, you know, five two females yeah. or you know five eight males mm-hmm. that have a pretty reasonable run where eighty accommodates almost a full. Yeah. And you can still practice your full runs. You just don't leave the ground. So right. You can train for them. Which is fine. I don't think. Well, and, and here's the thing I, I, I feel. It's like, dude, it, it's not rocket science, right? It's like you go to a meet, you add, I don't know, anywhere between 10 to 14 feet for someone to add a left, and you figure it out at the meet. It's not that hard. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, I, I definitely know that a lot of kids have like that, well, I've never run it before. Like, I want to be confident. That's fine. We can, we'll, we're going we're gonna to gain confidence at these meets. I, I yeah. truly feel that trying to go all out 100% every meet for a new PR is a waste of energy. Yeah. I think depending on the meet, certain meets are goal oriented for, Hey, our goal is to leave the ground on an eight step, no height or not. Like yeah. make a height. Cool. But if you leave the ground on the eight step, that's a good day. Yeah. And then moving forward, you get to your championship. Like then, then, all bets are off. Like you're trying to do well. 
Right. But you've already practiced all your long runs and you got on the big sticks and you brought bigger sticks. Like you're no longer practicing. You're, you're committed. Yeah. So. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I think like you're bringing up, there's ways to build up to that long run where if you're thinking about, you know, getting your own facility, it's like, do you need a 150 foot runway? No, you'll, no. you'll figure out other ways to, to get that done. Um, and I, I think also what's huge, uh, in my opinion is like, I'm sure you've heard this and I hear this all the time. And actually it's funny at apex, many people never hear this term, but it's like, Oh, that person's mental, you know, they're being <laughs> mental, you know? And it's like, I think when you go to a pole vaulting club and you're constantly doing like drills and short runs and working the pole runs and this and that, and then you go to the meet and sure, maybe at first someone's like, well, I, I've never done an eight before Alex. Like, that's okay. It's cool. You've done a six or whatever. We're just going to add this much. Nice, easy pole, easy grip. Just run through. All right. We took off. It's good. Next meet we're, we're on bigger poles, you know? And it's like, all of a sudden you have less athletes who are mental because they get, there's like a logical progression to what you're doing. You're not just banging from a, a long run every single time and spending an hour running through, you know what I mean? Yeah. So, you know, I, I think that's how you can stay away from that. Um, going back to the facility, um, tell us a little bit more. What were some things besides the landlord being kind of like a track guy and into your, into your program? What were some of the things that you liked about the facility that you found and then I even want to talk about equipment. Like, what are you doing about equipment? What are you buying? What do you feel like you need for the facility? Uh, and did you guys open yet? I'm so sorry. Uh, no. We, so we're opening March 14th. Okay. All right. So cool. we got a couple weeks. A um, couple weeks of set up for it. Um, what I liked about the facility was location. It's uh, right in the center of Rochester. Okay. So uh, it's not far off the highway. Um, even from like your super rural areas, mm -hmm. it's about an hour drive. Okay. Um, so I used to drive an hour and 20 to mm -hmm. my club when I was in one versus yeah, before yeah. I owned it. So like an hour to me, isn't that bad, but, right. um, now that I don't have to rent time and I have the control of that, I can make the practices more worth it. Um, right. as far as things that I'm buying and that I'm committed to, uh, oh, wait, 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 before you even get to that, you really like the bathroom situation. Explain that. Oh yeah. So, all right. <laughs> so we were chatting about this before the first few that I looked at everywhere that we were, that I looked, the bathroom was down the hall and like to the left where yeah, you had to like, you might share a bathroom with other tenants. Yeah. Which was super frustrating. Cause like majority of my kids are high schoolers and I feel like any coach any coach would be like this, but like you kind of get protective of your kids. Yeah. yeah I don't yeah. like if I'm in a warehouse space with people, I don't know. Right. And I'm letting my like freshman soft freshman, sophomore female girl. Yeah. Walk around like, dude, I'm not comfortable with that. And there's like a factory worker. Yeah. Saved that, like, uh. yeah, I don't need that. So yeah. I was, I was super stoked that like this facility, he's like, dude, it's ready to go. It's got an office, it's got storage. And it's also got like a bathroom and like, all this stuff that it's all ready to go. I was like, sweet. Like yeah. he really was open and actually like looking out for the club, which I was mm -hmm. super appreciative of. And like having like the bathroom facility, it makes it just so much easier. Yeah. So, I mean, a couple of things about that. I think one, like when you're looking for a place like the bathroom facility is like definitely huge. 
Um, and also what sometimes people don't realize, like even when I found my location, there was actually a big retaining wall near the loading dock. And then there were actually these like cubicles set up in the back. And I was able to walk in and be like, okay, well, can you guys get rid of this retaining wall? They're like, yeah, it's not load bearing. Cool. What about the offices? Can you get rid of that? Yeah, cool. So it's like, Sometimes when you walk in, you have to kind of have an imagination and be like, okay, what is possible here? Are there things that can be moved or shifted? Sometimes people are even willing to add a bathroom if there isn't a bathroom. You just have to talk to the landlord. If they want you in there, they can make accommodations to the building. You know, and it's not it's not crazy, you know what I'm saying, to be like, hey, can I have a bathroom? Also, oh, yeah. something I'd like to ask you, my my facility has heat. Like we have these huge space heaters. Um, we do not have air conditioning. Um, which I don't know. I mean, obviously it gets hot, but like you're pole vaulting. It's not, you know, this is not a Starbucks. So <laughs> I've never worried about that. Um, what about you? Do you, do you have heat and air or just heat? So we have, we have the opportunity for both. We have heat with like a, like a big ass fan at the bu- above that like helps heat it. Mm-hmm. Um, the previous tenant said like it warms up quick. It stays warm and it's pretty neutral the whole way, which is super exciting. Um, as far as like the air goes though, we're on a huge concrete slab, so it's already cooler yeah, than yeah. normal. So mm-hmm. I'm, I'm not too worried about that. Um, you know, wor- worst comes to worst, I'll get a fan. I don't think yeah. you need a vault and AC. I'm not trying to pamper you. I'm trying to like, right. Be better right. vaulter. Well, well, and also side note, like we're talking about bills, like you were talking about like the one location that was 12,000 square feet. They wanted 10 grand a month. Right. Well, it's like, I know for me, I've gotten heat bills as high as $700 in a month. Dude, that's so like up. even during the winter, sometimes, like, dude, it, it's starting to feel good in here. I shut the heat off, then I'll turn it back on. You know what I mean? Like, these are like little things, like when you have a facility, like you have to think about because otherwise, like, man, it's like you could tack on over $1,000 in heat bills if you're not careful. Yep. And then in the summer, like you said, it's like, yeah, air conditioning is nice, but it's like, man, like, again, you don't want to be tacking on $1,000 of electric, uh, you know, and gas bills to what you already have rent-wise, because that's something that sometimes I feel like people don't take into account. Like, you're going to have expenses. Never mind even, like, going back to the bathroom talks. Like, all right, you're going to need to buy paper towels. You're going to need to buy soap. You're need to, someone needs yeah. to clean that thing. You know what I mean? Like, all these things have to go into it, you know, when you're, when you're getting your own facility. Um, now with the equipment, what, what are you buying? What do you already have? Like what, what are some things you're getting for the club? So what I already have, um, I have a pretty beat up pad, you know, for one. Yep. And then I'm kind of, let's call it restoring. I have parts of another pad that I've, I've just bought brand new pieces for. Okay. Um, so I'll have basically like the, like a practice pit and then like a nice pit. Okay. Um, so the goal is to have two just opposite ends. Yeah. When, when things come arise, but I'm going to put in some squat racks and nice. some weights, some have weight training. Uh, I really like how you have your facility set up with the poles all nice and neat against the wall. Nice. Like not only does it look fresh it just keeps them all organized there. Yes, you can yeah. look at the wall. There it is. Let's go. Um, the hardest part of all the equipment that I'm getting though is the rolled rubber. Yeah. Yeah. That roll of rubber. Cheap, dude. Dude, that roll of rubber, that bites, that get hard. <laughs> I'm like, bro, seriously, it's just a chunk of rubber. I know. Oh. I feel like every lane, if it's long enough, could be up to a thousand dollars. It's dude, it's unreal. 
Unreal. Yeah. And, you know, I want to, what I also want to do that I don't see in a lot of places is like have like a rehab area. Mm-hmm. Um, well, you didn't even mention, I mean, uh, you're a physical therapist, so. Yeah. So, um, obviously like my profession's based off the body. Um, mm-hmm. and with massage therapy and moving and all of those things, no one really pays attention to like taking care of it. So I really want to be able to teach like the younger generation, like the proactive steps to not blowing out a hamstring or blowing right. out a disc mm-hmm. and really trying to be proactive in that. So I really want to have that like, like a care station, if you will, within it. So like when the practice is over, I'm not kicking you out. Like, Hey, I want you to spend 20, 30 minutes right. prepping. So you're not, so you're not sore the next day, you right. know, for your actual practice at the high school or the college in which you vault for, you know, I'm, I'm trying to add to your athletic career. I'm not trying to take away from it. Well, I, I, you know, and you bring up something that I think is super, super important um, in the pole vault community that I don't think gets enough um, attention is that, look, I think a lot of people coach pole vault, right? And that's all, right? But like you said, it's the human body, right? You have to train the athlete. So one, there's got to be some strength and conditioning going on. I think. 100%. And then you're adding that part of like with the physical therapy of like, you know, preventative measures to, to, so that you don't get injured. Um, and these are things for people who are thinking about starting a pole vaulting club, which are add-ons, you know, at my club, look like you pay, you can lift and that that's a part of it. Um, the package that you pay for, but like you can have like things like, let's say on a Friday, if it's like, you don't have practice Friday night, maybe have a physical therapy night where people come in and they learn all these modalities that you have. Or you have a night where it's like, okay, Friday night, we're going to offer a squat class and really teach the squat so you guys know what you're doing. And these are great ways to offer more services for your clients. And I think as clubs grow, these are services that people will want to pay for it. You know, they want that attention because I can even see at my club, like, you know, I show people stuff and I explain our program, but then they're kind of on their own. Because if I have a next group coming in, I got to coach the pole vault session. I can't really be in the back with the weights. And you can tell some people want more attention, you know, so as your club grows, I think these are sometimes services that you can add that, that can really help one, make better athletes, uh, provide a, a better, uh, experience for your athletes, but also provide more income for the club, you know? Absolutely. I, as much as I like love coaching pole ball and like, obviously that's what the club is meant for. Yeah. You know, the, the club is their access to leave the ground whenever they can or, you know, whenever mm-hmm. they want. But ever, I would say most people have access to weights. You can join a gym and you can pretty much go anywhere. Yeah. Yeah. Not everybody knows how to lift. Not everybody knows how to take care of themselves. Yeah. I've, I've had multiple student athletes go, oh, yeah, like rolled out on a lacrosse ball for like 45 minutes and my, like, my IT band's jacked up and it, it hurts. Yeah, it was 45 minutes. It was a little excessive, dude. Right, and they're covered right. in bruises. Like it's it's being able to train smarter, not harder. So I, yeah. you know, being able to go through all those motions and those lifts is the goal overall. Right. Like I want to be able to do those those little things that you say, you know, teach them how to lift while they're getting better at vault. Right, right. Well, it, and and it's funny too. I mean, like I know. Um, 
one time when I was coaching uh, the sprinters at Rampo College, there was a sprinter I was working with and I was like, all right, like, did you guys lift last year or whatever? He's like, yeah, yeah, we lifted. And then we get through our, my first lift session with him. He's like, yeah, we didn't lift last year. That's not the same. Like, so it's like, it's funny. Like you said, like so many people can pay, you know, 10 bucks and go to Planet Fitness and they're like, yeah, I, I lift, you know what I mean? But what, oh, yeah. what that actually means, I don't, I don't know, but it's like actually teaching people a progression, a process, a system, right. Is way different than just some guy that goes to LA fitness, you know? So I, I think that's really important. And I think, um, even in the, the podcast episode prior to this one, someone had a question about like, you know, what do you recommend or, uh, you know, fitness wise and even nutrition wise and all this I mean, so many athletes don't even know simple stuff like that. To me, what I take for granted, like, hey, man, like, I, I always, my rec- I don't know what your recommendation is, but I'm always like, as far as nutrition, it's like, make sure you're at least getting enough protein. Make sure you're getting 80% of your body weight in grams of protein a day. If you're an athlete, you're training hard, you need to get enough protein. Um, you know, drink well, this is, this is a dark water. rabbit hole you want to drive down this one. Yeah, well, but I, I'm saying like, those are things that I think, and, and I, I kind of explained in the prior podcast, it's like a triage, right? My first role is pole vault coach. I'm trying yeah. to teach you how to pole vault. Once you get as far as you can just pole vaulting, it's like, oh my God, what can I do to get better? Holy shit, you could do pull-ups, bro. We could do deadlifts. Now you start doing it like, you know, that. And now it's like, okay, well, well how, do I, how do I get my training better? Well, do you sleep enough? You got to yeah. get eight hours sleep, right? Then it's like, do you drink plenty of water? What about your protein intake? Oh my God. Right. And then it's like, Oh my God, are you recovering? Well, like, good. You're getting sleep. That's good. But you know, Alex, you know, he's, he's talking about, you can't just roll around the lacrosse ball for, for 45 minutes. That's not, it's not cutting it, you know? Yeah. And I, and I think a lot of times it's hard. I think as an athlete, you don't know all these things. I mean, for me and you, we've been in, in this for a little while. And I think, especially for you, you have this holistic approach. You're thinking about all these things. If I'm like a sophomore, junior in high school, I'm jumping 13, six, like, I don't know any of this stuff. I just, I picked up my first dumbbell last week, you know, just cause I saw some other kid at the club doing it, you know? Yeah. You're, you're like, that kid is like, dude, I'm, I'm going to live forever. I'm, I'm going to run through a brick wall and keep going. Yeah. 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 Like, nah, dude. I, so I just turned 32 and I feel like I got hit by a brick wall. Like <laughs> it's, it's unreal how many coaches like at the high school level coach but don't know really what they're coaching and in our in our sport in our, our event it's very i think it's very dangerous I've, I've heard a lot of high school coaches yeah just grab that stick hold it at the top and go yeah no bro that's bad news right that's, that's a that's a torn labrum or you know dislocated shoulder real quick yeah well and so i mean i i think the thing is too so like you, Dan Reynolds, a lot of other guys from up there, it's like, I, listen, you guys are in phenomenal shape. You guys just, it's part of your life, right? Like just like people wake up in the morning, shower and brush their teeth, you got to work out, right? I, I, I feel very similarly. And so you guys have that kind of lifestyle. But I think for a lot of pole vault coaches, like I've had, I've had pole vault coaches on the podcast who have coached Olympic champions, right? Where off the podcast, I'm like, hey, listen, this is the strength and conditioning program that we do at Apex. What do you think? And their response to me was, well, listen, like I only got to coach the guys two, day, two days a week. I would just tell them to not t- go crazy in the weight room so they're not tired for pull-up practice. He goes, so, I mean, it sounds good what you're saying, but I don't really know. And so like there's even pull-up coaches at the top, top level 
that they're not really concerned with that because I think, you know, and again, I, I, I've mentioned this on previous podcasts. I think we're just scratching the surface with pole vault, right? Like our, as a community, we're not at the same level or depth as let's say jujitsu or football, you know, or soccer, right? Like, like we're at such an immature level because I think for a lot of coaches, they just had a, they just had a coach pole vault. They didn't have to worry about strength and conditioning. They didn't have to worry about, you you know, the, the physical therapy stuff. They didn't have to worry about nutrition, right? I just, I just coached pole vault. These people jumped higher. We won. And that was it. I don't know about that other stuff. And even like, I'll give you a situation. I was talking to Calvin this week. He's training this one guy who's a hundred meter runner. He runs 10, 10, five in the hundred. Not bad. Yeah. Pretty quick. He's a post collegiate, right? So Calvin, when he first got him and again, I, I really apologize if I'm boring anybody that's listening to this right now, but this is stuff that you kind of have to know as a coach if you really want to help your, your athletes get to the next level. So the best thing that you could do to make someone faster is increase their vertical leap. Would you agree, Alex? Yeah, you got, they yeah. got to be able to yeah. jump. Yeah, if you, if you increase your vertical leap, you're probably going to be able to make bigger strides when you sprint and you'll run faster, right? So he tests the guy. He's a 10-5 guy. He tests the guy's vertical leap. He does 38 inches. They train for three months. His vertical leap is 40.8 inches now. Huge increase, right? Almost yeah, three big. inches. Yeah. He's not running faster. What do you think the problem is, Alex? Let's see if you get this. Not a lot of people figured this out. Mm-hmm. Training different muscles, different, different weight training, probably not sprinting enough, bad starts. So he was sprinting, but here's the thing, right? So this is where it's like, this is where I'm going to try to bring up pole vault coaches, right? I think you and I, we kind of, again, we have a holistic approach. We're, we're cover to cover working with our athletes. But when you're a pole vault coach and you're not involved with the strength and conditioning, you're not involved with nutrition, you're not involved in PT, right? You may not have the knowledge or you may actually give the wrong information out. So this, this, this guy's like running with his sprint coach and training with Calvin. Calvin has clearly done his job as a strength and conditioning coach. He's made this kid physically better. But hear me out. You brought up muscles, right? Yep. So the muscle group that's really responsible for jumping is your glute, right? Glute really helps you, you jump up. So he trained the glutes. Calvin looked at this kid's sprint video. This kid runs super backside, knees low, a lot of hamstring. You're oh, he's like an ice skater, huh? Glute. Yeah. So he's not engaging the glute. So here's the thing. He's made the kid's glute stronger and bigger, but if he's not going to use it, it's kind of like dead weight. 100%. This is why he's not running any faster. So now it's like he has to improve his running form, and then he'll reap the rewards of that physical training. The unfortunate thing is Calvin's only a strength and conditioning coach. He doesn't, he doesn't coach the kid in sprints. You know? Yeah, you can only do so much. Right. And so that's why as a pole vault coach, I, I've always felt – once you kind of do a, a dive into the strength and conditioning world too, and you start learning about the human body, like you said, you know, learning about the different muscle groups and their roles and what they can help you do when you run or jump off the ground, all of a sudden you're like, wow, you, you become an even bigger asset to your pole vault athletes. Yeah, I, I, I 100% agree with that. I think that a lot of coaches kind of get away with the fact that like, oh, I just know pole vault. Right. And people gravitate to that, but you don't know, you don't know. So right. they kind of don't know to ask that stuff. 
Right. And if the other coach doesn't think he knows it, he just never brings it up. Right. Or it keeps yeah. it super surface level. Yeah, or, ah, it's not a big deal. I won't worry about that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, or just, just stay hydrated. Have a good meal. What's yeah. a good meal? Or right. Oh. Beer? I, That's got water in it, right? Like, is that <laughs> hydrated? Is that what you mean? <laughs> no, uh, the vodka. That's clear just like water. Does that count? No, bro. Like, I know we're talking about high schoolers, but, like, how many, how many like, badass high schoolers were like, yo, I – I stole some of my, my parents' vodka. I filled it back up with actual water. That's hydrating, right, Coach? Yeah. No. No. So it, it, I don't know. It's, again, a loaded, loaded gun going down that. No, it's well, just, but, but this, this is what I think, Alex. I think that when you are coaching a club and you're coaching athletes year-round, year after year, right, it's like you can't just stick with the Chapter 1 white belt stuff. No, 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 no. Yeah, you got to – you got to keep going to chapter two and chapter three, and we got to go up those belt levels. And so as a coach, you have to be able to provide more. If you can only provide surface level stuff, how long is an athlete going to stick with you? And, and here's the thing. Even if I'm like super pumped, I love pole vault, and I realize like maybe I'm not going to lifetime PR, right? Like let's say me, right? Like I, my best is 14. Maybe I, at this point in my life, look, I, ju I just turned 40 this year. Um, yeah, crazy. Um, you know, I realized like maybe I'm not going to lifetime PR because one, I'm busy coaching. I don't have a lot of time, but I love to pull. But if every time I go to pull practice, you do the same thing with me, there's nothing else you could teach me. There's no new wrinkle to add. And then there's nothing like you, you don't have anything for me as far as like how I can physically improve or even like you said, diet wise, or let's say like I, I mentioned in the last podcast, this is me being a dummy. This is why this keeps happening. But, you know, I'll go like five, six months without pole vaulting and me, like, I'll just lift. I just want to look good. So I don't do anything explosive. And then I'm still like in good shape. So I'm strong. And now I go to pole vault and I, I pull my calf muscle. Like, it's like clockwork. Because like physically, like I can take plenty of jumps, except my calves are like, yo, what are you doing, bro? Yeah, like, we don't do this. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's like we deadlift. Why? Where you're you're doing like people forget it's like running and pole vaulting off the ground. That might as well be a plyometric workout. So yeah. it's like you on average do zero touches a day, and you just did a hundred touches in a half an hour. Yeah, <laughs> there. Um, I've I've had this conversation with Dan so many times. Like, um, so Dan and I are obviously in better shape than your average Joe. Yeah. And just for people who don't know, Dan Reynolds, post-collegiate guy, coaches, phenomenal shape. His PR is 16-8. 16-8. 16-8. Okay, go So, ahead. Dan, uh, you know, I'll, I'll toot his horn a little bit. Dan Reynolds is 6'4", 195 pounds, chiseled from stone. Yeah. Everybody's like, oh, you're so athletic. He's like, no. I, I train for one purpose. It is to vault. That yeah. is it. Like, oh, you should probably be able to run like a five-minute mile, though. He's like, no, that's just completely different. Yeah. That is not what we do. And, right. you know, because of COVID and everything, like, obviously, we're not vaulting, so we're just lifting. Mm -hmm. You know, vault, he, he's probably – the first time he, like, grabs a stick and leaves the ground, he's probably going to feel like he got hit by a truck. Right. His body's not going to feel the same. And I remember, like, I, just like you, I don't get to vault as much. I give yeah. all my time and my energy to my kids. I remember when I came down for your, your club competition and I decided to vault. I decided yeah, yeah. to leave the ground. Um, 
I did the math that day. I had left the ground 12 times that year, and six of them were at your facility. Mm-hmm. I was sore for two weeks. Yeah. Like, I work yeah. out. I, like, I, you know, I pick weights. I drop them. Yeah. Dude, I, it was awful. Like, I hadn't left. I haven't been under that much torque and right. flex. It's, well, it's completely different. And it's just your muscles are working differently, right? Like yeah. you have like some of the stabilizing muscles and, and just even like, okay, let's say like you deadlift, right? So it's like your glutes are getting workout, but to actually jump and, you know, be like that explosive and use your glutes, your glutes are like, whoa, what are we doing right now? Yeah, those you know? fast twitch muscles, those are good yeah. you. Right. And so it's like, it's, it's just different, you know? And that's why it was funny on the prior podcast episode, someone had asked the questions like, all right, like, you know, I have you know, kind of beginner athletes and we're starting from scratch. What do you recommend? Like first practices. And I'm like, dude, you got to ease people into it. You know, I know when we started the club, we were closed for over four months. Everybody who came back, regardless of their PR or whatever, um, we kind of did ones, twos, and threes for like three to six sessions. You know what I'm saying? Just try to like give them a little bit of volume, a little bit of GPP, general preparatory phase. And then once they, they look good for that, no injuries, no tightness, then we started to go back on the runway and do more specific work, like those longer approaches. Um, but it's like, you don't want to just like, hey, first day back, let's try to get on that big pole and crank. It's like, oh, that's not, not going to work out well, you know? Yeah. It's like, if you haven't benched for six months and you're like, you know what, I, I want to PR today. It's like, yeah, like, can we just actually, I'm not even going to warm up. I just, just throw on the heaviest weight I've ever done <laughs> and a pound because I want to PR. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's bad, bad news. Yeah. So having, having like little steps like that, those little things working up to it, huge fan of. Yeah, yeah. Well, and, and here's the thing too. I, I always feel like this too. You might have a certain plan, right, going into the day, right? Like you might, like let's say just for argument's sake, like you're like, all right, Thursdays are our big days typically, right? Yep. Kid comes in Thursday, supposed to be a big day. You know, for whatever reason, he had to stay up late doing an essay or maybe his high school coach had him run like repeat 300s the day before, whatever the case may be, they're not physically prepared for a big day. You can't just be like, well, we're doing it anyway. It's a big day. You got to be ready. Yeah. No, you, definitely, you definitely need to be able to roll with the punches and mm-hmm. adapt. Yeah. Um, personally, like those who don't adapt don't survive. Right. So I feel like if you're a black and white vaulter or a coach, you know, and yeah. you're, it's either this or that, there's no in between it. It's not going to work because pole vault coaching isn't cookie cutter. Like you yeah. gotta, you gotta be able to bend flow with it. You know, you might have majority of your practice be set for one, one way, but then like four or five athletes, just not having a good day, not having a good week, midterms, whatever. Okay, let's. Okay, we're gonna change it up today. This is the new plan. Yeah. You know, always having that that backup plan. Um, I remember training with Mike Auble. He he always have a rainy day plan. We yeah you know, outdoor facility. The goal was to jump, but if it ever rained, he had a backup plan. Like yeah. this is what we were gonna do. So there was. You always have to be ready, and. I think that's one another thing that a lot of coaches don't don't always have is that what are we going to do if we can't? Right, right. Yeah, I mean, I, I think sometimes, like you said, it's like you know you gotta you gotta make the practice day valuable for the athlete, regardless of what happened or what brought them in that day. And you know, I mean, look, I, 
I don't know if you're familiar with zeros, but I even like sometimes if an athlete, let's say has a calf sprain, <laughs> you know, they just can't, <laughs> can't run and jump. It's like, you could do some zeros, man. We could work on, on something on the pole from a zero, get that going so you can learn skill. I mean, I had an athlete that, you know, unfortunately tore ACL last year. And when she was starting to get ready to come in and she couldn't run yet, she couldn't jump, man, we did a lot of zeros. I think there was about a month before she can get off the ground where we just, we just did zeros. It was something she could do. There was something she could work on. And, and that's the thing, like being able to tell athletes like, no, no, I'll figure it out. I'm going to give you something to work on. That's going to keep people happy. They're going to keep coming through the door. Um, I also think like, what do you think about this? Um, I, I have an interesting perspective too. Again, like I talked about your upstate New York area and how, I don't know. It's very inspiring to see all all you all you guys that are adults, but you know, younger that are still jumping, having a blast, and I, I think like really kind of exploring every nook and cranny of how to jump a little higher, you know. And it's like I always feel like, you know, I want to promote adults coming into the club, you know, at whatever level they want to come in, whether it's just for fun, they're trying to PR, whatever it is. Whereas, like, I, I've had athletes. I remember one time. One of my former athletes, she moved to a different state for work and she found a club. She contacted the coach and the coach was like, well, if you're not going to train for the Olympics, like, I don't want to work with you. Jeez. I'm like, what? Like, how many people could honestly tell you that? You know what I mean? And it's like, yeah. and to me, it's like, if you're trying to grow the sport, shouldn't you work with as many people as you can? You know, yeah. what, what's your opinion on that? Like, if I'm an adult, I contact you. Are you going to say no to me if I'm not jumping high? Like, what, what's going on, Alex? I definitely wouldn't say no to you. I'd find out like what the intentions are. Um, you know, make sure that, you know, that you want to train, like that you're not, you know, that arrogant, you know, give me a deal guy, you know, like, I don't, I don't care if you're good or bad, but if you have a passion for the sport, like, yeah, have absolutely like more than welcome to jump more than welcome to come in. Um, that being said, like all things considered, it'd probably put you in like a, you know, an older group. Right. Yeah, of course. Yeah. But yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't turn anybody away who wants to, who wants to ball. If, you know, if conversation permitted it and needed it, if you were a heavier set person who probably shouldn't be on a ball, Mm -hmm. you know, you'd probably have to go down like that road and like those types of conversations, like health issues. Cause like, I don't want to, right. Right. I'm not trying to like, you know, well, you don't want to get hurt, you know, yeah, exactly. I, like I, 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 one of the questions uh, I had on the, the prior podcast was about master's athletes. And I said, sometimes master's athletes come in and, you know, look like they're just not in great shape. You know, like maybe it's a guy who's like 5'10", you know, 250 pounds. And like, look, you can get them off the ground. You can do some ones, twos, maybe even a three, you know what I mean? But you got to make sure this person's like physically prepared before they just, you know, that's yeah, a lot great. of, that's a lot of torque. Right. And, um, and then the other thing is kind of like what you were bringing up and we were talking about it prior to the podcast. You want to make sure the person understands the community and is a good fit for the community that you're building. And I think that's, that's super important. Like, I guess going back to the, the example of the athlete that I was talking about, it's like, I think it's unrealistic. Like how many times are you getting a phone call where someone's trying to train for the Olympics, right? Like I want to help people train as hard as they want to train. 
right? And yeah. meet them where they're at. Whether that's that master's guy that we just mentioned, you know, coming in at 250, who we're going to help him get healthier. We're going to get him off the ground, have fun with pole vault again. You know, maybe that gets him on the track to get healthier. Um, or yeah, sure. Fine. Somebody wants to go to the Olympics, but at the same time, it's like, this is our community. This is our structure. This is how we do things. If you'd like to be a part of this community, awesome. Welcome. If you have something else in mind, you might not be a fit here. Cause I think that's almost like a different topic that like we were talking about before the podcast and maybe some people don't understand. It's like, I think sometimes, unfortunately, pole vault coaches, we try to bend over backwards for people that have huge PRs but we don't realize how much they might hurt the whole club. I mean, do, do, you, do you want to talk about that? Maybe explain what I'm saying. I, I, I yeah, diving down that hole. Um, people with big PRs are what, I guess, grasp the attention to all the little guys. And, you know, I say little guys are, those are the people that like drive the sport. You mm-hmm. know, it's, you know, football is big because all the fans of football and all the little guys of pole vault, they're the fans of pole vault. They want to see the big guy, but you know, to keep the club open and keep that opportunity open for everyone, you can't cater to the one person because you'll forget about all the little guys and no little guys, no club. And again, I say little is, is a very supportive term, but they're just, they're just not, the Olympian, like not everybody's meant to be an Olympian. Right. You, know, you might, you might be a 16 footer. Right. Okay. You're, you're really good, but you know, you're, you're just, you're still a little guy and <laughs> right. you're not, you're not Sam Kendricks or Mondo. Like, right. You know, if, if you had someone like that, I could probably see bending over backwards, but like you're talking worldly elite. Like there's yeah. like 10 of them. And right. there's a lot of clubs. I, I think this. they all have coaches. It's weird. They're not yeah, like super. Yeah. Super <laughs> weird. They're not like trying to be in a club. So, Damn. so I keep uh, sending Mondo emails. He hasn't responded. All yeah, right. I tried to slide into his DMS. He just ignores me. What the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> Dude, I just feel so He just leaves me on red. It's so depressing. Yeah. What? Well, so something that I brought up when we were talking about this was kind of like uh, the idea of, like seed and weed clients, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And, and so here's the thing, right? Like I was listening to this, uh, two brain podcast. It's kind of for CrossFit gyms, but a lot of great ideas for people who want to run a pole vault facility. And one of the things they talk about is like, you know, you have some clients, they're seed clients. They're the type of athlete that when they walk in, you're like, hell yeah. Like, can't wait to work with Sally, you know, like she's awesome, you know? And they, 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 they come in year round. They love the club. They bring a lot of energy. They're always like bringing they're a passionate. friend in, you know, and they're, they're growing the club, you know? And it's like, if there's a new person, you pair them up with Sally and they, they, they are welcoming. Right. And then you have like weed clients and like, that's an athlete that's like almost no matter what you do for them, it's not good enough. <laughs> you yeah, know, you bend over backwards. You, the discounts, like the, just the different times and there, it's just, it's never appreciated. The, these clients are also, they're the people who are like, kind of like club hoppers. Yeah. You know, it's like, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to go see what Alex is doing. I saw one of his kids pop off. So clearly he has a magic trick. I go, I go to Alex's club and then it's like, uh, you know, there's not cutting it. There ain't no magic here. And then I go to this guy's club and then I go to that guy's club. It's like, dude, that guy is, 
he's he's been searching for magic he's never going to stop searching for magic it's like so to that regard yeah it's like i think if you're building a club and you want to build a community you can't worry about that that person that's looking for the magic trick you know yeah you gotta you gotta focus on the community and you can't you know don't get me wrong like it's awesome when you when the club has like that that massive vaulter you're like yeah like that's cool like they're they're great but I mean, personally, I've, I've met a lot of kids that are like, yeah, like random, like I, I, I did 17 feet in college, like, cool. Like, what'd you do to train? They're like, oh, I was a multi, like I could just do it because I'm stupid athletic. Right. Like, okay, did you get any better? And they're like, no, it didn't. Okay. Yeah. So there's certain kids that like get better because they train really, really hard. And those are your, those are the kids you want. Because right. they, they have that passion and that, that unique ability to just drive to get better. But then you have your, your hoppers that were probably naturally good and they're mm-hmm. just trying to keep doing it and maybe get a little bit better, but they're not consistent enough to hold out, to, to yeah. like see the work actually come to, come to life. Well, the, the other thing I think too, and this is very, very huge, is I don't think people realize, right, like, Let's say I'm, I'm dad and I brought my daughter to your club, Alex, and she jumps eight feet. I, I don't really care what happened last weekend with your 17 foot guy. What are yeah. you going to do for my daughter? Yeah. <laughs> you know I mean? Like, like if every conversation I have with you, you're like, ah, oh, dude, last week, dude, he almost had 17, six. I'd be like, yeah, what about last week when my daughter was jumping? What did you think about that? Like, that's what yeah. I care about, you know? And I, and I think people don't realize it's like, you know, the, the, the clients, your athletes, parents of athletes, they want to know what you're doing with their athlete or with them. They don't really care about what the top end person, they maybe would like to be the best person someday, but yeah. it's like, you have you have to make sure that every athlete matters and, th- and there's ways and strategies you can do that um but yeah I, I think the focus has to be there um i feel like this podcast has been very very long so yeah. i want to ask you because i don't want to hold you up much longer but uh was there anything else that you wanted to cover before we end the podcast uh not really i mean it's pretty we pretty much talked about like everything yeah Overall, I mean, we hit a lot of really good, you know, pieces. Um, I mean, I guess like I the guess hockey any, club. Any last advice for anybody that's looking to start a pole vaulting club and find a facility? Is there any any words of encouragement or advice that you'd like to give? Oh boy, um, the I, I guess I'll leave with the if you're you've done the math, you've looked at all the options, like you're, like you, you're pretty much set, like you, it's something you're passionate and you want to do. If you're scared to do it, you probably should. Yeah. Cause, it's, Cause it probably means it's the right move. Mm-hmm. And if you've done all the math, you've done all the research, you, you have people that are showing interest. You've talked to your friends, you've talked to your family, you've gotten your, your super supportive comments. You got your, your naysayers that are just negative Nancy's and you've, you still, you just feel that you keep coming back to that. I just, I just got to do it. You know, you gotta, you gotta take that leap of faith and Mm -hmm. you gotta do it. And I, I really feel like lo and behold, like 
there's always a chance it could go south. Like there's always oh, a chance. Of but yeah. I, I, I'm always been a person that like I've rather I'd rather fail because I tried yeah. than to never try at all. So right. if you if you're really gonna do it and you you think it could work, go for it. Yeah, a hundred percent. And kind of going off of what you said, like it's just like the vault. You could watch all the vault videos you want. You could read about it, but until you actually jump, it's a different story. And you're going to just make some discoveries, you know, like yeah. I'll even sometimes like really intelligent athletes come in and they're asking me all these questions. Like, no, no, I get it. Like I explained it. I even answered a couple questions. Now you have to do, and then we'll learn together, you know? Yep, yep. And, um, and that's the thing when you're opening up, you know, a facility for the first time, there's, there's going to be all kinds of experiences that you never thought about. You know what I mean? That oh, yeah. will come terrified. up. You're going to have to think on the fly and just, you know, keep it going. Um, well, Alex, how can, if people want to, you know, follow your club, is there a social media way to follow you? Um, you know, yep. anything that you want to say about that? Um, for those who want to follow, uh, kind of stay up to date, whatever. Um, we have an Instagram page. It's next step vault club. Uh, pretty basic on the Instagram. And then there's also a Facebook, uh, business page, uh, next step vault club again. And then for those who just want to check it out, uh, if you go to nets, next step vault club.com, you can totally just, you know, skim through the website. We've got some gear on there and stuff that you can support it with. Awesome. Awesome. Um, just a last thought for me and something like we were saying before the podcast, keep in mind as a pole vault facility, I think people have to remember, it's like, you're not really competing against other pole vaulting clubs. You're competing against other activities, right? you got to make sure that you're providing a quality experience for the right price because people are choosing between you and a rock gym. They're choosing between you and a soccer place. They're choosing between you and a CrossFit gym. So it's like, if you can provide more at a good value, you know, a good price, I, I to me, I think you're going to be successful. And Alex, for you personally, I, I know you're going to be successful. You're passionate about this sport. Um, thanks again for being on the podcast. I think this was an awesome episode and for anybody listening, thank you for listening. Thank you for watching. And if you have any comments or questions, um, apexvaulting at gmail.com is the email hit us up and, you know, subscribe, follow us on Instagram and thank you again, everybody. Thank you.